Hello and welcome back to Let's All Laugh At, the football podcast that thrives at the expense of someone else. I'm George. I'm joined tonight by Dan Andrew. Uh, thanks for joining me, guys. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's um, weird that the season's going to be starting in a couple of weeks and we've just finished yeah. the current season. Yeah. yeah, I'm really good. Really good, thanks. Awesome. He's a Liverpool <laughs> fan, obviously. He's good. He's just one of the They haven't played in about the same amount of time as we have, though. So, like... You'd think the hype would have died down. Well, I don't know. Has it died down a little bit, Dan? I'd like to think it has. Um, I wouldn't say it died down particularly, no. Um, we played Saturday in a friend, like I said. So, yeah, things are, things are up again now. Oh, right, excellent. Well, so, yeah. Well, there was no recording on Thursday. A combination of scuppered plans and upcoming fixtures made us think there was no point doing it that night. We pushed it all the way back to here. Now that both the Champions and the Europa League finals have wrapped up, so we can actually talk about them. So... We might as well start with uh, the big guns, the Champions League final. PSG against Bayern Munich. Bayern coming through with a 1-0 win in the end to lift their, I think, their sixth European title, level with Liverpool. Obviously, coming through after that, incredible 8-2 against Barcelona. And then I've completely slipped my mind who they've beat. Leon. Leon, that was it. Sorry, yeah, excuse me. And, yeah, obviously, it really... Well, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, PSG going through against uh, obviously the Atalanta game we talked about and then beating Leipzig in the semis. So, yeah, I'll start with you, Andrew. I, I thought the scoreline was somewhat um, deceiving in the sense that I thought it was a very... It, I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was an even game, but I thought it was quite an entertaining game as well, despite the number of goals. I thought that PSG really held their own. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, they should hold their own. Their strike force is ridiculous. Well, yeah, I think they were a bit wasteful. Neymar and Mbappe both had some good chances. Manuel Neuer was very good, um, which always tells you a bit about the game. But, you know, I think there's been a lot of questions about Manuel Neuer ever since. Do you, if you remember the South Korea goal at the uh, World Cup 2018? Uh, people have been questioning if he's the same keeper as well. I think he showed that he's, he's back to form this year. But um, for me, I feel Bayern deserved to win. I think tactically, they with the front three of Lewandowski, Coleman and Nabry, they 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 were a bit more efficient with the way they used the ball. And I think they deserve... To be honest, Bayern, I think they've they won every single game this year in the Champions League. So They've won uh, as many Champions League games as we have, as Palace have, Premier League matches all season. So work that one out. Um, um, how could I? Um, how could I guess that you're going to relate it to Palace? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hardly in a flattering way. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I'd, thought uh, I'd level the playing field a little bit. <laughs> I ha- I do hope though that I mean to win six times as well. You know the whole story is crazy that they were fourth in the league. They just lost at home. I think to they lost to Frankfurt at home. They sacked the manager and this guy's come in and he's just they've just blown everyone out the water and they've been by far the best team if everyone's honest so yeah I think it's a well-deserved well-deserved victory for them I didn't it was surprised they're level with Liverpool now so you know they're they're putting themselves as I think joint joint second isn't it behind Real Madrid no I think it's I think it's AC Milan have something like nine isn't it something like that yeah Yeah. but after that then it's yeah Oh, absolutely. And Hans-Dieter Flick, I'm almost certain I butchered that pronunciation, but that's the <laughs> Bayern manager uh, who you're referring to. Dan, I mean, we, Bayern, we talked so much about Bayern's dominance in the Champions League, if you like, and we said, you know, a couple of weeks ago that they were 
they've looked the most complete team and were certain to win it. That's ended up being true in the end. But for PSG's point of view, a lot of people would have said that they, you know, a bit, a bit obviously Andrew talked about their forwards and how they really should have competed with that front line. I agree. But at the same time, they have struggled at points in the Champions League this season, particularly against Atalanta, scraping through in the end. But they have, because I thought, against Leipzig, who are no slouches, ran in the final themselves. I thought they looked a lot more convincing. Yeah, they did. Like, like Andrew touched on, really, uh, a fantastic side, certainly man for man, and they've become a lot more of a team this year, PSG. So, yeah, I was impressed with them throughout, really. Not as impressed as I was with Bayern, like I said, as we touched on again earlier on. Yeah. Unbelievable football team. And and it's mad to think, I went over to Munich last year and watched us beat them, Liverpool beat them, and it pretty much the same team in a hell of a lot of ways. And they were not even close to where they are now, a shell of this team. So the manager's done an unbelievable job. But yeah, as for PSG, yeah, just fell short again, haven't they? And they always seem to for a long time now. Not Admittedly, not in the final. Yeah, weird one with them. Uh, it looks And it sounds like Thomas Tuchel might move on as well, what I was hearing today. Because there is only so much you can do there. The same for Neymar and Mbappe, etc., because whether you like it or not, it is still a bit of a farmer's league, that French league, in my opinion. Even though Lyon did okay, and PSG did obviously really well. Outside of them, it's a pretty poor league, in my opinion. So, But yeah, uh, obviously a better showing from them all around. But still, they fall short and got nothing really to show for the season again. Can we really call it a farmer's league when the seventh best team in their league beat Man City 3-1? I, I think that Man City game was a bit of a flash in the pan. Leon have troubled Man City previously, and I think Pep Guardiola, my favourite person in the world, he um, he overthought that a little bit, and he kind of played into Leon's hands by setting up his team completely differently. If Pep would have treated that like Man City against, with all due respect, Brighton in the Premier League, they'd have probably oh, had... No, no, not, no respect on this end, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if he just treated Leon like the mid-table Premier League type club that they probably are, they'd have probably hammered them. But he changed everything. He changed everything about the way Man City go about their business. And Leon, who have got some good players, clearly, upset them. I think the league, their league campaign was a bit disrupted by Memphis Depay being injured for like most of it. I think in real terms, had he been fit and had they finished the season, he might they might have finished a bit higher than seventh. And I take the point, but I still I still can't get excited about the French League really well there's also the fact that the French League ended prematurely of course so yeah. we, for all we know they could have gone on a run and especially with Depay and the like coming back um, after after the suspension if they started around the same time we had and they may have they may have been doing a lot better but yeah I do take your point I certainly I agree with that. I certainly don't think we're in any position to call them a farmer's league when, like Andrew said, we're not doing nearly as well in European competitions. But at the same time, the football's probably not that up to standard. And I know for a fact the crowds definitely aren't up to Premier League standard. But yeah, as for the uh, as for the Europa League final, we said that we wanted, you know, Andrew, I remember you saying that the Europa League needed an Inter Milan versus Manchester United final. It's not what they got because United were taken out by Sevilla in the semi-final. So this is... Two for one for you, Dan, in terms of <laughs> good yeah. results. And they ended up beating Inter Milan in what I thought was an even better final, certainly a lot more goals, to win their, I think it's their, yeah, their sixth Europa League in a row. No one's won it more than them. And it's just, it's just a remarkable record that they've got. Yeah, I mean, for me, the thing that shocked me the most is that, so Luke de Jong was on loan at Newcastle for six months and he <laughs> was absolutely dreadful. 
I went to Southampton away. Well, then I'll see him, De Jong, or am I thinking someone is getting them mixed up? We had both. We've had both of them. We had oh, Jong, okay. We had yeah. CM5 two years, and he was atrocious. So for him to to see him scoring in the Europa League final is a is a crazy. But yeah, I think I mean Sevilla are specialists. They've really made that competition mm. their own. They have a specific style of play. You know, they've they've knocked out Manu I think twice now in Europe in recent years. Yeah. Uh, once with Mourinho and this time with Shoishkar. So I mean, they're they're always going to be there there or thereabouts in terms of getting to the latter stages of the Europa League. So um, yeah, I mean, I I thought Inter would win, but I mean, Sevilla really have made this competition their own. Yeah, I mean, Dan, there's a lot of talk about Inter. There's reports coming out of Italy from variously reliable sources that, you know, Conte might be on the brink of losing his job. You know, I, I think he's I think he's done quite well personally, getting them to, I think it was second in the league, uh, Champions League place at the very least, uh, and then to the Europa League final. It's, uh, I mean, considering how well they haven't, how inconsistent they've been over the past 10 or so years as well, it seems like, it seems like a bit of a, dare I say, a bit of a Chelsea move. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's not like the Italians to overreact, is it, for a manager? It would be, it would be harsh, in my opinion, because Inter Milan, like you touched on, they they've challenged for the first time this year for for a long time, really. They've been in the doldrums a little bit for for quite a while for such a big club, especially because for years it's been the two Milans, Lazio, Roma, a little bit, and obviously Juve. But for a long time now, it's kind of just been Juve. Um, Was Italian team to win the Champions League as well, Inter under Mourinho. Yeah, but they, yeah, there you go. So they are, they were, especially, and they kind of got back to where they were a little bit this season because there was a title race for a long time in Serie A. I think the break in football, Juventus kind of came back a lot stronger than the others and just ran away with it. But up until that point, it was quite close. So yeah, if they were to sack him, that would be extremely harsh. I thought the final, yeah, De Jong, that was a mad one. He scored and he knocked United out as well in the FIFA, yeah. which, was, which was nice. Crazy, um, some players, some players, terrible for some teams and incredible yeah. for Well, I mean, you look at Nabry, really, Serge Gnabry. He, he, Tony Pulis, as much as he's been ridiculed for what he said, he kind of had a point at the time. Like, he wasn't very good for Arsenal or for West Brom on loan. And he's gone on to do what he's done. And the same for um, that Chupo moting at PSG was, yeah. was horrendous for Stoke, really. And he scored in the Champions League semi-final the other night, I want to say, if not quarter-final. So, yeah, players can, can turn, turn things around. But, yeah, they're into Milan. No, I was impressed in general with them. Bit of a Premier League old boys team, isn't it? But, yeah, they're very harsh if they sack Conte, definitely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that it does show the expectation of some of these big clubs sometimes. I think Conte talks too much. So, his, his whole issue is he just constantly is saying, I need more players, I need more players. Mm. Even though he got like a £75 million striker in Lukaku. They bought yeah. in Ericsson, but he doesn't really fit into the system. Again, they have spent a lot of money, but he just keeps moaning and moaning, saying, I need more. I think his classic quote is that he goes into a €100 restaurant with just €10. That's what he loves to talk about. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think did, I think maybe the same thing gets... at Chelsea. I seem to yeah, think he did the same thing at Chelsea, didn't he? Yeah. I think they he was annoyed they got Danny Drinkwater, which I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't blame him at all for that one. <laughs> so the transfer policy at Chelsea has been inconsistent to say the least, but we'll get onto that um, very very shortly for sure. But speaking of managerial changes and managerial sackings, biggest one at Barcelona, obviously after that 
absolute humiliation against Bayern Munich, 8-2. I'm not going to make the joke that everyone's been throwing around because I'm mm-hmm. sick to death of hearing it. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, blanking, I'm a bit like Andrew, I'm blanking on the old manager's name, but now he's gone. Um, and Ronald Koeman has replaced him, ex-Everton and Southampton boss, of course. Certainly a lot more success at the latter than the former. Got them to seventh and sixth place in the Europa League. But Everton, you know, got them seventh in his first season and then was sacked after leaving them in the relegation zone. Had to get old big Sam Allardyce to get him out of it. So hmm. this this I mean, Dan, this is this is a bizarre I mean I know he's a I know he's a club legend, but it's yeah. it seems a strange appointment, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It was Kike Setien, the uh, the old manager. That's the one, and, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, it, it is a strange appointment when you look at the Everton job in particular, obviously, that's the one that stands out, isn't it? Especially when they spent a hell of a lot of money when he was there. But they've been spending a lot of money under every regime recently, Everton, so it doesn't really matter that. But yeah, they were, they were particularly poor towards the back end of that spell. But yeah, like I said, he's a Barcelona legend. And maybe sometimes, we've had this at Liverpool, we have to appoint Kenny Dalglish for a little bit. Sometimes you need a bit of a legend to almost bring a feel-good factor back to a club. Uh, and after getting beat 8-2 and things generally not being very good, maybe that's the way to go for, for a season. By the sound of it, he's only going to get a season regardless because they have the presidential thing over there. And the, the new president gets appointed, I think, next year. And he's already said, apparently he's already done, he's already said he won't keep Koeman in a job. So it sounds like he's going to get a year maximum, really. So, yeah, it's obviously a strange one. Uh, he's done a good job with Holland, in all in all fairness. Uh, he's got Holland kind of back on the map when they were dwindling a little bit. But yeah, if he, it sounds like he wants to keep Coutinho, like we mentioned before we started, which would be interesting, considering his career was kind of done at how, the new camp. How can Coutinho, Messi and Griezmann play in the same team? Oh, I know. I know. yeah. But the Griezmann, no forget sense. Yeah, forget Coutinho. Griezmann and Messi clearly don't work. The, the, yeah. Griezmann's had an appalling season for someone so good. So, yeah, that it's a classic case of just buying, just throwing players at a squad and hoping it works. Uh, and it's it like, just... um, you know, talking of players, Martin Braithwaite went from Middlesbrough, yeah. struggled for Middlesbrough to play for Barcelona. Yeah, I know. They, um, they signed him on the merge, didn't they? I think it was Levante they brought him from. Because they, they had an emergency signing thing in Spain, didn't they? And they brought him in. I think Suarez was injured and a couple more. But yeah, no, the Koeman one, yeah, it's a, obviously when you look at his Everton job. But I do think he got sacked from Everton because he had red baubles on his Christmas tree and the fans did not like that. So I think that was half the reason he got sacked from there. But yeah, we'll see with the Barcelona thing. I can't see it happening. I can't see it working myself, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, what, what Dan touched on there, only giving him a year to, to sort of get any success there. I mean... Judging from all the signs coming out... From... He won't get you. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing, is that I, I think, I mean, my only rationalisation with this appointment was that he'd be brought in to sort of try and try and build a younger spine of the team. That was very much his idea at Everton, you know, mm. very mixed success, to say the least. And obviously with Holland, that's that's what he's been trying to do there. So, I mean, and we've seen as well the stories coming out, the likes of Luis Suarez and... Arturo Vidal are almost certainly heading out the door. Koeman has made it clear that he, they, they're not in his plans at all, which is definitely going to be interesting. Some very good players for anyone to snap up there. But, I mean, that's that, that, those just seem to be the early signs um, of what he might be trying to do and what Barcelona probably need because they haven't got the youngest squad in the world anymore. But if he's going to be given a year max, then 
you know, that surely that's that puts that all into question. It's sort of like, what is their aim here? I think they need to replace some of the old guards. So I think PK, um, Sergio Busquets and Suarez probably need they need to replace them. That's probably one of the key things. Defensively, they've been all over the place this year and it showed in that 8-2 game that they're way too open. So um, Busquets was is a brilliant footballer and has been an excellent player for Spain and Barcelona, but they do need someone who can hold the midfield a bit better. I know they've brought in Pjanic from Juventus in a swap deal with Artur. I think they really need to make sure the defender... And Messi needs help. They need to stop doing this. Well, the tactic is give the ball to Messi and hope for the best. Because if he has a bad game or if he's closed down or if he's a bit quiet, or if he only scores two goals, then, you know, they're not... <laughs> so they're like, they really, they need to move. Because, you know, Messi before had Xavi, Iniesta in the first team. You know, the second team he had Neymar, Suarez, he needs to, he needs help. He can't do everything on his own if they want to win the Champions League and you know wrestle back that title from Real Madrid. He does need some help. He can't do everything on his own, even though he can really. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like I said, I think that's probably where they were going for. But again, with the amount of time that he's, if it is true that he's not even going to get a year or only get a year, then it seems a bit. My point was that it seems a bit counterproductive for that. But I suppose the other thing to say is that even with their age, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that could. That could use players. That could use players like that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you'll see like some of the top clubs going in. I'm sure the Italian clubs. I think everybody would like Luis Suarez still. He'd yeah. still still score 15 to 20 goals in the Premier League. Vidal is a bit of a weird one mm-hmm. uh, because he's getting on a bit. Um, but yeah, I think like Luis Suarez, everybody would. I mean, the, the problem as well is they're on ridiculous wages, which only mm. five clubs probably in in the world can pay. So. It'll be interesting to see. I think Suarez as well has been linked with David Beckham's team into Miami. Yeah. So that might be. Enough. They could both Suarez in particular could both end up somewhere quite random, like like in America or it's Qatar like or somewhere like that. Yeah. One last payday. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to yeah. say, I, I think Luis Suarez doesn't get enough credit because he's obviously he's been kind of the support foil for Messi for mm. since he joined. But he's one of the best footballers we've seen in the Premier League. So, yeah, he's, he's a, he's, he has been a great player, despite his biting. That's the problem, <laughs> I was going to say. His his issue, obviously, is his actions a lot of the time. That's why you kind of forget how good he was, because you kind of just think of the bad stuff. Like with a lot of The people. goals against Norwich were incredible. Uh, he, I've never <laughs> known one man take the... Piss out of one football club so much in my life. He um, Aguero, Aguero does it to us. <laughs> <laughs> but every time we played Norwich, he just was a man possessed. It's as if he fought, and he has no background knowledge of English football, you'd imagine. As if he fought, this football club do not deserve Premier League football, and I'm going to show him every time. It was a joke, like, honestly. Yeah. I think everyone has that. Every striker has that one club, and every club has that one striker that always scores against them for us it was Jermaine Defoe Maybe so, has a team <laughs> yeah <laughs> he did but not with us I think I forget who it was he scored it used to be us he used to score against Liverpool every week every time he played us him yeah and then we yeah. bought him he was awful <laughs> and then we bought him he was good for we used up all his energy and well, at least we got a season out of it I suppose I think we bought him to stop scoring against us I think that's what it was 
Probably. <laughs> that was probably it. Newcastle, Newcastle signed Ryan Taylor. I think he had four career Javier. goals. Yeah, we had yeah. four career goals. Three of them were against Newcastle. <laughs> he scored some very good free kicks back in the day. Yeah, he was a good free kick to make. He broke a leg badly, didn't he? That was a problem. Yeah. I'm not sure if you guys remember Jermaine Defoe's volley for Bournemouth against us a few years ago. Um, where he like, gets it just from outside the box. A bit like Asami, but pretty much from the exact same spot from Fulham. Similar goal to that one. Um, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> far too many world-class goals have been scored at Sellers Park over the years. Um, <laughs> not all of them against Palace, to be fair. Some of them against Wimbledon, like David Beckham's, you know, famous halfway line goal. I'm so glad that wasn't against us because it makes it a lot better to look back on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's our one strike. I think he has something like seven goals in five games, you know, his last five games against us, something ridiculous like that, and even more before then. So I'm very glad he's not in the Premier League anymore because it doesn't matter yeah. how finished he was, he'd always get at least one against us. <laughs> Yeah, I still remember that 4-0 against Sunderland. Oh, my God. You know, he, he literally just got two right on the stroke. You know, we were about 1-0 down, about five minutes to go to half-time. Next thing you know, it's 4-0. It's just... Yeah. I mean... <laughs> well, but we, we won't dwell on that. We'll move back to the Premier League and we'll be back to the transfer market because it's been heating up a fair bit. Still no massive deals confirmed yet, but Chelsea certainly looked to be on the move. The Ben Chilwell one is probably the one that's probably well it was reported to be closest to completion i've seen reports that there might be some snags in the deal but if it was to go through you're looking at about 60 million for certainly one of the most talked about left backs in the league and obviously england's uh, starting left back and you've also got um there's a lot about uh, tiago silva from psg was confirmed yeah. on the champions league yesterday he was going to be leaving chelsea looked the favorites to sign him uh, on a free transfer and then obviously the big one is Havertz at Leverkusen, which apparently there's finally close to being a break. I mean, I don't trust anything until I've actually seen the player in the shirt personally, but it looks like that one is drawing significantly closer. So we could look at Chelsea signing three players for about 130 million total. I mean, Dan, it's <laughs> you must be a little bit worried as a Liverpool fan. Um, yeah, it, it'd be silly. It'd be better to not to be really, because they are no, they're, they're two incredibly good signings. And the one I'm missing out is Thiago Silva. Despite how fantastic he's been, I do think the Premier League, he might struggle in some games next season if he does sign. Uh, I think some games he might... Because he's going to be another you know, few months older in it, you know, soon. And I think he might struggle the pace a little bit, potentially, the Premier League. Week in, week out, especially. Yeah, obviously, yeah, it'd be silly not to worry because, like I say, Kai Havertz in particular, I'm very disappointed to get in him. He's a fantastic player. Um, ben Chilwell for sixty million. My God, what is what is the world? I don't even think he's that. Good. I mean, he's a decent player for sure, but like, yeah, you know. he's a good footballer. But sixty million. I mean, Leicester can can basically name the price like they've done previously with Harry Maguire. They and they're not daft, and and they've got good money for him. So credit to them for that. But Chelsea paying that. And what's going to annoy me is Chelsea going to justify all this spending by saying they've not spent money for one transfer when they wish they didn't, but they still bought in Pulisic at the same time, and they still agreed a deal for Kovacic at the same time. And now they're going to spend, if it carries on, with Werner, Zayek, and these three, you're looking at 253 in the million. You can, yeah. It's, it's, it's a they serious need, amount need, of money. They need, they need another centre-back. Like, Thiago Silva's a good signing, but I think they need another one. They need a goalkeeper. Their biggest well. issue, the goalie's a big issue as well. Yeah. Cause it does it if they sign a, if they sign Jan Black next week 
then I start to think, hang on a minute, this is serious. But if they carry on with Kepa, I just think they're too flawed. I think they're still too flawed. And maybe a centre-back could solve some of them problems, but just Thiago Silva doesn't do it for me. Um, going forwards, they're going to be phenomenal. But you've got to be able to defend. We found that for years. We were amazing going forward for a long time before we bought Van Dijk and Allison. And they're the two that won us the league. As many goals as we scored, you need to be able to defend. And Chelsea at the minute can't. So, no, not overly concerned right now. Yeah, I mean, I think to be fair with Thiago Silva, I think what Chelsea have been missing ever since, pretty much since John Terry left and was a real leader at the back. And I think that Silva would bring that. Again, whether or not, you know, his age is always a thing. But then again, Gary Cahill was able to come to us. And I know it's a step down for him, but he was still able to do a very good job um, despite his age. So, you know, Thiago may have a similar effect. And I still think... You know, if he can get it to even, you know, three quarters of his best, he's still a very, very good centre-back, in my opinion, and will improve that defence massively. But I think you're right. I think that ultimately, again, the comparisons to Van Dijk as well, like, you know, Van Dijk was very much that leader at the back that you needed when you got him. Uh, But I think you're right. I think that you're right. The the goalkeeper is the other key piece of the puzzle. And until Chelsea can get their own Allison, which they have been looking at names, there have been a lot of names that have come up, but nothing nothing seems to be close yet. So until that's sorted, yeah, I think you're right. If they do start with Kepa for whatever reason, then I think that they're probably just a bit short of, of being title challengers so far. Kepa can obviously have good games. I remember in the FA Cup when Liverpool played them, they knocked us out. He was brilliant that night. And you don't buy a 70-odd million pound keeper who can't have good games, but he has too many shockers, really, for, for, it, to, you know, for it to warrant his price tag, certainly. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think the problem with, especially when you're a top club and you're a title contender, is you need consistency. It's not a chocolate I mean, finger, chocolate, chocolate finger wrists. You break them. <laughs> what? He does he? He's not very big for a goalkeeper. Um, no. He's not very big. He looks like he should play attacking midfield. He looks like Oscar, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah maybe that's it. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, I mean, I suppose with the one angle you can take with this about Chelsea's transfer policy is that there was all this this big this big fuss about when Lampard was in charge about, you know, finally using Chelsea's academy players and bedding in the youngsters properly. And now just now that they've actually got money to spend, now they're actually able to spend money again. That seems to have just gone straight out of the window. I mean, not all the players that they brought in are, are not young. But, you know, I mean, the, yeah. I've seen reports that they're looking to let the likes of Tomori go out on loan. And now that now that really Silva's guilt. come in. Billy Gilmore, obviously Abraham's probably going to leave now. Oh, that... Gallagher's coming to Newcastle. Yeah, we've been linked with the likes of Gallagher. I don't think we'll get him personally, but he, we are definitely one of the names that's been brought up. But yeah, loan players fee. like that. His loan fee's too big for you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait until we make Alpha. I can't wait until Eze is there in a Palace shirt and then I can just finally shut you up about how bad we are signing players. Well, well, shut everyone up about how bad we're signing players, including half our fan base, because we're all sick of it. But <laughs> yeah, back to Chelsea. It's... I mean, it very much seems like that approach is, is out the window by the sounds of it. Yeah, I don't. I think once the money, I mean, if you're bringing in Timo Werner and <laughs> spending, you know, X amount million on Kai Havertz, you know, youngsters aren't going to get a chance. The thing is, Lampard knew this season he would have he would have a like leeway because he didn't have money. But now with him spending this much money, people will want like that gap between Liverpool City to be closed a bit. And for me. I still think it's great. I, I don't really get the Zayek signing, if I'm honest, because for me, they need they need defenders. That's their biggest issue. Until they learn how to defend, they won't do anything. 
So, and Lampard himself, his derby team was very defensively weak as well. Mm. He really needs to, I don't know, bring in a specialist coach or do something to protect that back four better. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Angola Kante as well, because obviously he's had an injury-prone season this year. He might be one of the ones that moves on. So it'll be interesting to see if he can bring in someone to keep that defensive structure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think whoever gets him is getting an excellent defensive midfielder, one of the best we've ever seen in the Premier League. I mean, I've been saying at the time, when he was at his peak in his Leicester and Chelsea games, I said at the time he was the he was the third best player in the world, just at the job that he did. I think if he was doing the same sort of job, you know, they're getting the same sort of performances at a, you know, as, as, a, as a, in an offensive position, there'd be no doubt people would be talking about him alongside Ronaldo and Messi. But, you know, I, I think that obviously, like in, you say, injuries have been a problem. And I think that he's not suffered. He can only do so much for the team. And if the, the back four wasn't good enough and the team as a whole was just inconsistent, then he does offer that extra layer of protection. But it's, you know, it's. I still think, I think it would be in the right team. He still has a lot to give, even if he's not quite as good as he used to be anymore, because that is a high standard. Yeah, I think we'll, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he sorts that, that midfield out as well. So, so they just, I just don't get how, where's Havertz, Pulisic, Mason Mount? We're all going to play in the same team. Yeah. Just, uh... it's, it's a frightening one, but you're right to, to pick up on the pressure thing, because he's going to be under pressure now, Lampard, and he wasn't mm-hmm. last year. It'd be interesting to see how he reacts to that. But I've seen a couple of like mock-up Chelsea lineups, you know, with all the new signings, and if you, it's great in terms of like the front seven. But anything behind that, even with Thiago Silva, you look at it and think, mm, yeah, you can probably get at that still. Um, so there's still a lot to be done there. But it's exciting for them, obviously. Yeah, no, for sure. I suppose it'll be. There's definitely pressure on him to deliver early, though. Otherwise, the the whole thing is looks like it was all for naught. But but yeah, on to your team, Dan. Uh, oh. the, obviously, the only real talking point for um, you for a while has been uh, Thiago uh, of yeah. Bayern Munich. Uh, that seems to have gone a bit cold. Oh, I don't, I'm not sure. I think uh, I, I still see it happening, if I'm honest. I think we're kind of letting last night happen. So obviously, he was involved last night. I thought he played okay, actually. Um, a lot of people were raving about his performance. A lot of Liverpool fans I've seen. I wasn't sure he was phenomenal. His pass to set up the move that created the goal was really good. So I was impressed with that. But yeah, I wasn't sure overall. I watched him quite a lot throughout the whole Champions League final stages, obviously. Um, yeah, I still think the move happens. Apparently he told the club he still wants to leave, um, despite okay. what happened last night. Because I think Bayern was still yeah. holding out hopes of keeping on to him. But now it looks like he definitely wants to leave. Still find it a bit of a strange move from our behalf, but because we don't sign players of that age, really, generally, in the past few years. But, yeah, it's a strange one. About Vicky Lambert. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a different era altogether, unfortunately. I'm joking. Well, I, I, suppose, I suppose the argument is, with the youngsters you've got coming through, the likes of Curtis Jones, etc., um, that maybe they need that more you know, yeah. seasoned, experienced uh, European winner to sort of help coach yeah. them a bit. And do you know what? The way I've been describing it to a lot of people now is you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. So if somebody yeah. like Thiago <laughs> wants to come to Liverpool, which by all accounts he does, you don't turn it down, especially when, even though Liverpool are haggling about the price, surprise, surprise. I shouldn't really criticise because that's what we do and we're very good at it, so I shouldn't really criticise, but, you know, but I think it's 29 million, something around that mark. 
And for somebody who's just started in the Champions League final and just won the Champions League, you, you just pay that sort of money. We've just been talking about Ben Chilwell for sixty million. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not half the player Ben Chilwell is. So no. you know you've got to get it done really. Yeah, I think that is the main separation point is valuation. I don't think Bayer wants to go below it, but I think that Liverpool, knowing that he wants to leave and will push a move, will probably probably yeah. want to get that fee down just a little bit because we know how crafty they can be in the transfer window. Yeah, um, there's no way Michael Edwards is the guy who deals with these things. He doesn't back down on this sort of stuff. And he was the man who got £20 million for Dominic Solanke, so I, I'm backing him. <laughs> yeah, I'm all well. I'm all too familiar with holding out on players in order to get a reduced fee, and trust me, it can backfire. So definitely want to be careful about it. Although you are definitely in a much stronger position uh, than we are. <laughs> so Andrew, uh, I suppose we might as well, you know, over today, Newcastle confirmed the signing of uh, Jeff Hendrick. I bet you're thrilled oh, about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, he's he's a good midfielder. When I went to Burnley and Newcastle about two years ago, he scored the winner, and he he played really well. To be fair. But it's just very uninspiring. It's a free. There's like, you know, especially after a takeover where you think Coutinho and like top players are going to turn up. And then you get Jeff Hendrick. Um, but, you know, he did go for, I think he went for close to like 12 million when Burnley bought him. So to get him on a free is, you know, just no brainer, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it's very difficult to be inspired at all at the moment when pretty much it looks like we're going to be the same players this season as last year. My one thing is if we lose St. Maxim I will be gutted. He's the one that, if it, he's the one who I like watching play. So if we lost him, I would be gutted. Have there been that many rumours surrounding him? Have there been any reports? Of Arsenal are still looking at him, but obviously they've gone and got Willian now, so... Mm. Um, so it's unlikely. I think they'll get. I mean, the Willian deal, three-year deal for a 32-year-old. Just Arsenal, very interesting. Just Arsenal for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, for Arsenal, there's been all the talks about Gabriel, but still nothing, still nothing finalised just yet. Although the deal is reportedly getting ever closer. So yeah, that's about all uh, in the transfer window. Um, I suppose the only thing really left to gloss over is the uh, is the fixtures, the Premier League fixtures, because uh, we were meant to record this on the day they came out, but obviously it hasn't quite worked out that way. But they're out now, so I guess we'll start with you, Andrew. I think you start the season at West Ham, so yeah. Terrible stadium, terrible. Well, at least you won't be in it this time. <laughs> the only good thing is you get to go to Westfield on the way. That's the only good thing about West Ham Stadium. Mm. I do. I. I do not surprise the fans don't like it and blame. You know, say they lost their club. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I've, I've been there twice, and it's not not my favourite stadium. Though Upton Park also was a dump, so it's yeah. an improvement. <laughs> we can't just can't please you, can they? <laughs> no, I mean they just. It's, you're so far away from the pitch. Yeah. It's like, to be fair, have you seen the away end at St James's Park? It's like you can barely see yeah, it. The away Yeah. The, they're with gods. That's where they they belong. All the Newcastle fans deserve the best seats. But um, the right, worst okay. half, I think, to be honest, the worst away bit is Everton's, in my opinion, because you can't. It's just a horrible view. Um, the Everton away bit. Yeah, I have been to Everton in the way end, to be fair, and it wasn't the best view. Um, I thought at least we were going to get a decent atmosphere because it's an old school ground, but we didn't get that either. It was I was really disappointed by Everton. Arsenal's, I feel like I'm flying on Emirates. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. so <laughs> leg room is incredible. 
I mean, that's one of my favourite away days at Arsenal because of the result, because of how great our fans were. But it definitely has nothing to do, and it's a nice ground. But definitely, yeah, the fans were definitely, the home fans were definitely not up to standard in my opinion. So I can understand why a team wouldn't like it, especially if they lose three or four nil or whatever it is. But Dan, yeah, uh, Liverpool home against newly promoted Leeds. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite quite glad about that. It's a shame, like you touched on there, we've not been able to go for a while, um, obviously. But yeah, I'm quite quite happy with the Leeds one. It's a difficult one. We've got a difficult start, actually. We've got Leeds, Chelsea and Arsenal in the first three. Um, yep. And Leeds' first game will be buzzing, obviously. As you can imagine, I think 16 years since you're in the Premier League, something like that. So they'll be very excited to be back. And they look a very decent side. And Marcelo Bielsa, for someone who currently wasn't managing the Premier League, is very well thought of. So there must be something going on there. But yeah, no, yeah, I'm quite, well, obviously I'm excited. I can't believe how quickly it's come. Obviously, it's mad. We played the Community Shield on Saturday. It is just mental how fast it's turned around. Yeah, and I think the Boxing Day fix is always the one I look to more than anything. Yeah, let me just pull that up quickly. West Brom at home. So at least it's not away, considering how much we've talked about how bad that away day is, at least for you guys. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. I, 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 um, I agree with the Everton standpoint on the away, by the way. It's um, not just because it's Everton either, just what a dive that away ended. It's awful. Yeah, the best stadium is the dive. I'm glad they're moving. Well, I, I, don't know, I don't know if any of you noticed, like, the, the, the stand, the biggest stand, I forget what it's called, but the biggest stand they have right opposite the away fans, like the very top tier, it looks like it's about to topple over. Like, genuinely, I was worried, like, how crooked it was. It was just going to collapse. Oh, 90 stadiums. It's, it's, yeah. it's very old it's school, yeah. Very old school. It's just not very, like, yeah, I mean... But then, they, but then you go to the opposite end of the spectrum, and like you say, you're Arsenal and you're West Ham, and that West Ham one's as fast. It's not a football stadium. But Arsenal's a bit too... Partnum's is incredible. Arsenal's is uh, it's it's too nice. Like like yeah. I said, I feel like I'm flying. Too much leg room. That's the problem. That's not football for me. But yeah, um, in terms of the boxing day fix, yeah, West Brom could have been a bit more. We were Leicester away last year on boxing day. That was nice. Could have been a bit more of a showpiece event, the West Brom one, I suppose. But so be it. I think we play Everton. Everton fans are moaning this week because we play them quite early on in the season when there's probably not going to be fans and then by the time they come towards at Anfield there probably will be fans there it's all a conspiracy obviously against them Pickford will throw his couple in <laughs> I think everyone's just looking forward to getting back I'm surprised on the Pickford thing actually Everton haven't tried to sign a keeper but um, he's got such small arms he can't he can't catch no I know he's 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 dreadful, in my opinion. But, yeah, West Brom should beat them. <laughs> yeah. Well, as for... I mean, I, I, I can't comment on Everton's ground, to be fair, as a Palace fan, where we have just as bad views, if not worse. I mean, I do... I mean, I, well, I feel at least the atmosphere is a bit... The tube and the overground as well. well. Yeah, exactly. You can't even go... Yeah, exactly. Well, I've said we need a southern... Well, it'd be good to have a southern tube for a while, but, I mean, I guess not that many people use it, given what sort of area it is, but... I mean, anyway, speaking of speaking of Palace, yeah, I'll start the season at home to Southampton. They're a team that we never beat at home, have won the last three against us. So yeah, I'm not, I can't, I'll be, I, I'm tempted to say that this is probably the worst draw we could have gotten. I mean, at least Man City or Liverpool away, there'd be no pressure on us whatsoever because everyone would expect us to lose. But Southampton, you're at home on the opening day, even with our record, we're expected to win. And after that as well, we've got Man United away, Everton at home. 
uh, Chelsea away and then Brighton at home for the derby. So we're very likely to have only one or two points within after five games because again with the Brighton fans as well games as well especially with no fans or very likely to be no fans and we never we even when we win we never seem to turn up turn up to Derby so I'm never confident about those games but maybe maybe we'll start that it's a difficult start yeah I mean I'm not too worried about in terms of staying up because I think the thing about us particularly about Roy Hodgson is every time we've been in a bad spot if we need results he's got them I mean, obviously the end of last season was was awful but we yeah. were already safe by that point whereas if we're, when we were I remember we had that season before last we had that awful start to the season we didn't win a home game or we'll score a goal at home for about three months and then we like in 2019 we were like the third best team in the league behind like Liverpool and City and Spurs or fourth best team in the league something something like that ridiculous mm-hmm. like that and you know we we finished on our record points so you know, I, I think we'll probably have enough in the tank to stay up. And with our run-in as well at the end of the season, you know, we've got Arsenal home and then Liverpool away on the final day. So that, that'll be interesting for sure. May have a say in the title race. Probably not the relegation battle. I think we'll probably be safe by then. But but yeah, it's a, it's a tough run-in. And before that as well, we've got a couple of difficult teams. So we really need to have as many points on the door by mid-March as possible, really. But again, I think, I think we always get the points from where we need to. So I'm not too worried about that i just hope that we can you know i don't want to be worrying about relegation for the first few months of the season so hopefully we can get enough points on the doors early on it's so boring, isn't it this is all this is what i find as a newcastle fan like the only thing that will make me happy is if we stay up like that's the only target we have it's just so yeah. frustrating it's like literally i don't know how clubs survive like this forever. i mean at least i have you know i can remember us challenging for the title playing in the Champions League, you know, I can't imagine what it's like for other teams who've never had anything like that. Just just say our name, for God's sake, Andrew. <laughs> just, just speak to me directly, for God's you, sake. You know, to be fair to you, you've been to a cup final. So, you know, yeah, there's I clubs suppose. that have done, like, literally nothing. It's just mm. like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Palace always, Palace fans always say, well, if we get relegated, what have we got to show for it? Well, like I said, we've got a cup final. We've got these years. We've got, we've won at, pretty much every stadium except I think Spurs are the only place we haven't won in in the league and we've even beat them in the cup a few years back so you know we can we've got I think we've got more to show for it than, than people think but I think it, what obviously people want is Europa League they want that 7th yeah. 8th place finish yeah, um, I don't blame them I'd like that as well but I think that with the with the wage structure we have currently until that's shifted and until we can sell the club off to you know people who can afford to put more money in then I think this is about the best we can hope for and I, I would rather see us just you know changing our approach off the pitch bringing in younger players you know playing a style of football that suits the ones we've currently got I think you know, that I, think I just oh yeah you put Harry Kane on the corner sorry did you, did you, did you hear something Dan I couldn't I thought <laughs> I said something I've never played attractive football has he so that's not going to happen this year well you say that but the first season he was in when we had players like Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Johan Kabay we played some of the best stuff I've ever seen at Palace I'm being dead serious but obviously since that's those players have gone is a brilliant football well exactly but since oh, yeah. I still I still nearly like when I heard that he's going to Palace I was like what the hell it's amazing <laughs> how we thought he was our highest he was our record size for 10 million, our record signing. Imagine that now. Uh, that was only about five years ago as well. But yeah, I, I, it blew my mind at the time. And it was such... And the thing is, he did well for... I know at Newcastle, he ended on a bit of a sour note. But with, he always seems to... He even streams brilliant. the Palace games nowadays. Yeah. Like in his room, his goal against Liverpool was incredible. And, mm-hmm. and his free kick against United. Yeah. Um, Got a great one against Arsenal as well. Yeah. Uh, his, he one bad thing was that he moved to PSG when he was never going to get in the team. That yeah. was 
his best. He could have moved to lots of different clubs. So he went to PSG when he knew he wouldn't get in the team. That's his one error. But yeah, great, great footballer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my point is that since we've lost players like that and haven't really replaced them, you know, Max Meyer hasn't been used, hasn't, maybe isn't maybe isn't the player we thought he was. But yeah. since the players have got worse and haven't been replaced, the football's got worse. Don't think there's any secret. I think that if we do bring in better players, the football will get better. But at the same time, you know, like, you know, it's, it's hard to argue against Roy Hodgson's tactics not being the most creative in the world. But again, he has shown with good players that he can play good football. He's at Palace. So it's it's a bit of a weird one, really. But yeah, let's move on to the let's all laugh at. For those who are new joining us, this is where we each pick one moment in the week to um, you know, have a bit of a laugh at. And So we'll start with you, Andrew. Have you got anything? No, I just found the stat. There's two funny stats, I think, which has come out of the Champions League final. The Kinsley Komen has won the league every single season he's played football, I think. Um, that is an incredible yeah. stat. Three different clubs. Um, and obviously scored the winner in the Champions League final, not too bad. And then that start about Alvaro Odrizola, who has won five trophies this season, but played only like 600 minutes or something like that. So he's winning a trophy every 120 minutes because he was he was at Real Madrid. They won the league, the Super Cup, and something else. And then he's obviously gone to Bayern and won three trophies. So it's crazy. Yeah, uh, it's it's just amazing how many players. I mean, if you're using trophies as a measure of how successful a player is, then you know you've got players like you say who only play about ten games a season and end up with about you know seven trophies in, through their whole career. Like it's unbelievable. Whereas you've got people like you know people like Harry Kane who've been scoring so many goals in the Premier League and not won a thing yet. So it's it's quite incredible when you look at it like you that. Won the Audi Cup, don't forget. <laughs> oh yeah yeah sorry excuse me yeah fair play to him <laughs> but dan yeah what have you got uh harry Maguire for me uh, okay um i was just, wondering if this is going to get brought up yeah it, it had to i couldn't leave it there and laughing at it may be a little bit a uh, little bit crass but his sister was attacked supposedly by an albanian thug yeah that's that is that that's that's, that's, that's what everyone's saying, yeah. But, <laughs> it was self-defence because his sister was being attacked. Really? Well, that would change things slightly, potentially. But <laughs> still, why get involved? Why? You know, he's had a hard time, as it is, in my opinion. He's, it hasn't worked particularly well. I think he's been actually quite poor at times. And, you know, he, he shouldn't relate back to football because he's got nothing to do with football. But obviously, being a footballer, it does. He's just had a really, really bad bad season in my opinion and this kind of just tops it off and people were laughing at him anyway for looking the wrong way when the opposition score half the time and now he goes and gets himself arrested whilst on holiday just yeah just laughable situation really and if it's self-defense and there is something more to it then hands up fair dues but as it stands i just heard he kind of got himself in a fight and then tried to bribe the policeman who was arresting him for him to let him go uh, and I think it, it actually looks quite serious. It's aggravated assault he's getting done for. Um, and when his lawyer was asked if he was free, he replied saying, yeah, right now he is free. Is it implying <laughs> at some, some point he might not be? Listen, I don't want anyone particularly to get arrested, unless they deserve to, obviously. Um, but imagine it. Imagine he had to do some sort of like, some sort of send. I don't think... Who was a footballer years ago? Duncan Ferguson had to go to prison whilst he was playing football. 
Um, mm. Troy Deeney has been to prison before. Yeah, he was in prison. Got to the, the year he got to the playoff Jerry final. Bart. Um, Jerry, Bart. Bart. Jerry Barton. Jerry Barton, yeah. Yeah, of course. He could, well, Harry Maguire could be the next one. I'd imagine it in Greece. But, yeah, it's just... Yeah. Like I say, the situation is not ideal. It's a little bit crass, but... My I remember God. Lee Bowyer and Jonathan Woodgate. Lee Bowyer played his best football, actually, when he was on trial. He, he had his massive trial. He was... That's his best form for Leeds. Exactly. <laughs> uh, There's yeah, a few, haven't there? There's been a few down the years. I seen somebody else, I can't remember who it was, like a mid 90s footballer with him, either went to prison or I won't say every can now, but that was probably just like Crystal Palace thing. Yeah. Jermaine Pennant uh, yeah. like a uh, tag, didn't he? Yeah. When he was at uh, Birmingham, I think. Uh, he's a, yeah, he's a bit of a strange yeah. one. Jermaine. It's really funny how he's on Talk Sport now. And, uh, yeah. Like, I'm just like, can you really give advice to anyone? You was like, you didn't like. Fair <laughs> enough, he was the man of the match in the 2007 Champions League final, but for his talent. <laughs> That's the sport love a controversial character. We got Trevor Sinclair on. I mean, yeah, the Trevor Sinclair is another. We've got Andrew Townsend on. He's been useless for like a whole year. Yeah, but, <laughs> Might as well be a pundit for them now rather than a footballer. I kind of wish he's was. quite well spoken and like quite sensible. But it was Trevor Sinclair was literally like in a lot of trouble for some quite nasty things at one point. Yeah. I think, yeah, for me, talk sport, basically, if you have one charge, then you become an attractive, um, attractive. <laughs> well, it gets, I, mean, I think it's mainly about clicks, isn't it? You know, pe- yeah. your players saying outrageous, hypocritical things, the position they're in, that's going to get loads of shares, isn't it? That's ultimately the media's game. I mean, I won't, I won't talk too much about talk sport or the whole Maguire thing, because I think, we don't really know too many of the details, so I think it's best we leave it until the case is actually finished before we make any real judgments, especially if it turns out to be innocent in the end, or at least not as guilty as some people are making him out. He's already guilty of joining Man United, so... <laughs> well, good, good point. And Man United are also guilty of paying a ridiculous fee for yeah. him. And guilty of looking the wrong way when the opposition score. Don't forget that. And guilty <laughs> of making him captain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we, I mean, we could go on, but I'll, I'll move on to mine. Uh, I'll move on to my let's all laugh at, which is, I suppose, more laughing at PSG. But I'm sure you guys have seen the footage of the Marseille fans marching through yeah. the streets, social distancing officially out of the window. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, they're celebrating obviously PSG's Champions League defeat because not only are they massive rivals, but Marseille to this day still the only team in France with the European Cup. So. Yeah, definitely a big deal for them. And I thought that, you know, I don't know if you've seen uh, HLTCO's uh, pettiness thread on Twitter. It's just a bunch of clubs doing the pettiest things against their rivals and fans and all that thing. I might link it later. It's so great. Um, but that went on there. And that's I thought that was a good moment for that. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the thing is, there, I mean, there wasn't actually that much. I don't like voting for my own thing, but there wasn't that much really to to nominate the thing. I think the, the stats that you brought around you, even though they're incredible, they're not really things to laugh at necessarily as much as you know, just how incredible they are in general. And then, like you said, the Maguire thing is more of up in the air a bit for now. So when it's concluded, if, if it turns out that he did something stupid, then I'll happily I'll happily take that one. But I don't think it's going to be <laughs> that appropriate. I mean, all the, all the picks haven't been that great to be this week, to be fair, but you make do with what you can. So, mm. but yeah, that's about all we've got time for. Thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, be sure to drop us a like and a follow, whatever platform you're on. You can find us on YouTube and Spotify at Let's All Laugh At A Football Podcast, as well as Twitter at LALA underscore podcast. Uh, Be sure to check out Dan's work on Last Word on Sport and Extra Time Talk. Uh, Be sure to check out our social media. Links in the description as always. 
Thanks to Dan and Andrew for joining me. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care.